good Margaret, run thee to the parlour. There shalt thou find my cousin Beatrice proposing with the prince and Claudio. Whisper her ear and tell her, I and Ursula walk in the orchard, and our whole discourse is all of her. Say that thou overheardst us, and bid her steal into the pleached bower, where honeysuckles ripened by the sun forbid the sun to enter, like favorites made proud by princes that advance their pride against that power that bred it. There will she hide her to listen our purpose. This is thy office. Bear thee well in it, and leave us alone. I'll make her come, I warrant you, presently. Now, Ursula, when Beatrice doth come, as we do trace this alley up and down, our talk must only be of Benedict. When I do name him, let it be thy part to praise him more than ever man did merit. My talk to thee must be how Benedict is sick in love with Beatrice. Of this matter is little Cupid's crafty arrow made, that only wounds by hearsay. Now begin, for look where Beatrice like a lapwing runs close to the ground to hear our conference. <laughs> The pleasantest angling is to see the fish cut with her golden oars the silver stream, and greedily devour the treacherous bait. So angle we for Beatrice, who even now is couched in the woodbine coverture. Fear you not my part of the dialogue. Then go we near her, that her ear lose nothing of the false sweet bait that we lay for it. No, truly, Ursula, she is too disdainful. I know her spirits are as coy and wild as haggards of the rock. But are you sure that Benedict loves Beatrice so entirely? So says the prince and my new-trothed lord. And? Did they bid you tell her of it, madam? They did entreat me to acquaint her of it. But I persuaded them, if they loved Benedict, to wish him wrestle with affection and never to let Beatrice know of it. Why did you so? Doth not the gentleman deserve as full as fortunate a bed as ever Beatrice shall couch upon? O oh God of love! I know he doth deserve as much as may be yielded to a man, but nature never framed a woman's heart of prouder stuff than that of Beatrice. Disdain and scorn ride sparkling in her eyes, misprising what they look on, and her wit values itself so highly that to her all matters else seem weak. She cannot love nor takes no shape nor project of affection. She is so self-endeared. Sure, I think so. And therefore, certainly it were not good she knew his love, lest she make sport at it. Why, you speak truth. I never yet saw man, how wise, how noble, young, how rarely featured, but she would spell him backward. If fair-faced, she would swear the gentleman should be her sister. If black, why, nature, drawing of an antique, made a foul blot. If tall, a lance ill-headed. If low, an agate very vilely cut. If speaking, why, a vein blown with all winds. If silent, why, a block moved with none. So turns she every man the wrong side out, and never gives to truth and virtue that which simpleness and merit purchaseth. Sure, sure. Such carping is not commendable. No. Not to be so odd and from all fashions as Beatrice is cannot be commendable. But who dares tell her so? If I should speak, she would mock me into air. Oh, she would laugh me out of myself, press me to death with wit. Therefore, let Benedict, like covered fire, consume away in size, waste inwardly, 
it were a better death than die with mocks, which is as bad as die with tickling. Yet tell her of it. Hear what she will say. No, rather I will go to Benedict and counsel him to fight against his passion. And truly I'll devise some honest slanders to stain my cousin with. One doth not know how much an ill word may empoison liking. Oh, do not do your cousin such a wrong. She cannot be so much without true judgment. Having so swift and excellent a wit as she is prized to have, as to refuse so rare a gentleman as Signor Benedict. He is the only man of Italy, always accepted, my dear Claudio. I pray you, do not be angry with me, madam, speaking my fancy. Signor Benedict, for shape bearing argument and valor goes foremost in report through italy indeed he hath an excellent good name his excellence did earn it ere he had it why every day tomorrow come go in i'll show thee some attires and have thy counsel which is the best to furnish me tomorrow she's limed i warrant you we have caught her madam if it proves so, then loving goes by haps. Some Cupid kills with arrows, some with traps. Fire is in mine ears. Can this be true? Stand I contempt for pride and scorn so much? Contempt, farewell, and maiden pride, adieu. No glory lives behind the back of such. And Benedict, love on. I will requite thee, taming my wild heart to thy loving hand. If thou dost love, my kindness shall incite thee to bind our loves up in a holy band. For others say thou dost deserve, and I believe it, better than reportingly. I do but stay till your marriage be consummate, and then go I toward Aragon. I'll bring you thither, my lord, if you'll vouchsafe me. Nay, that would be as great a soil in the new gloss of your marriage as to show a child his new coat and forbid him to wear it. I will only be bold with Benedict for his company, for from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot he is all mirth. He hath twice or thrice cut Cupid's bowstring, and the little hangman dare not shoot at him. He hath a heart as sound as a bell, and his tongue is the clapper. For what his heart thinks, his tongue speaks. Gallants, I am not as I have been. Oh, so say I. And methinks you are sadder. I hope he be in love. Hang him, truant. There's no true drop of blood in him to be truly touched with love. If he be sad, he wants money. I am have the toothache. Draw it. Hang it. You must hang it first and draw it afterwards. What? Sigh for the toothache? Where is but a humor or a worm? Well, everyone can master a grief but he that has it. Yet say I, he is in love. There is no appearance of fancy in him, unless it be a fancy that he hath to strange disguises, as to be a Dutchman today, a Frenchman tomorrow, or in the shape of two countries at once, as a German from the waist downward, all slops, and a Spaniard from the hip upward, no doublet. Unless he have a fancy to this foolery, as it appears he hath, he is no fool for fancy, as you would have it appear he is. If he be not in love with some woman, there is no believing old signs. A brushes his hair to mornings. What should that bode? 
Hath any man seen him at the barber's? No, but the barber's man hath been seen with him, and the old ornament of his cheek hath already stuffed tennis balls. Indeed, he looks younger than he did, by the loss of a beard. Nay, he rubs himself with civet. Can you smell him out by that? That's as much as to say the sweet youth's in love. The greatest note of it is his melancholy. And when was he wont to wash his face? Yea, or to paint himself. For the which I hear what they say of him. Nay, but his jesting spirit, which is now crept into a lute-string and now governed by stops. Indeed, that tells a heavy tale for him. Conclude, conclude. He is in love. Nay, but I know who loves him. That would I know too. I warrant one that knows him not. Yes, and his ill conditions, and despite of all, dies for him. She shall be buried with her face upwards. Yet it is no charm for the toothache. Old Signor, walk aside with me. I have studied eight or nine wise words to speak with you, which these hobby horses must not hear. For my life, to break with him about Beatrice. Tis even so. Hero and Margaret have by this played their parts with Beatrice, and then the two bears will not bite one another when they meet. My lord and brother, God save you. Good den, brother. If your leisure served, I would speak with you. In private? If it please you. Yet Count Claudio may hear, for what I would speak of concerns him. What's the matter? Means your lordship to be married tomorrow? You know he does. I know not that, when he knows what I know. If there be any impediment, I pray you, discover it. You may think I love you not. Let that appear hereafter, and aim better at me, by that I will now manifest. For my brother, I think he holds you well, and in dearness of heart hath hope to effect your ensuing marriage. Surely suit ill-spent and labor ill-bestowed. Why, what's the matter? I came hither to tell you, and circumstances shortened, for she has been too long a-talking of. The lady is disloyal. Who, Hero? Even she, Leonato's hero, your hero, every man's hero. Disloyal? The word is too good to paint out her wickedness. I could say she were worse. Think you of a worse title, and I will fit her to it. Wonder not till further warrant. Go but with me tonight. You shall see her chamber window entered, even the night before her wedding day. If you love her then, tomorrow wed her. But it would better fit your honor to change your mind. May this be so? I will not think it. If you dare not trust that you see, confess not that you know. If you will follow me, I will show you enough. And when you have seen more and heard more, proceed accordingly. If I see anything tonight why I should not marry her tomorrow in the congregation, where I should wed, there will I shame her. And as I wooed for thee to obtain her, I will join with thee to disgrace her. I will disparage her no further till you are my witnesses. Bear it coldly but till midnight, and let the issue show itself. Oh, day untowardly turned. Oh, mischief strangely thwarting. Oh, plague right well prevented. 
so will you say when you have seen the sequel. Are you good and true? Yea, or else it were a pity, but they should suffer salvation, body and soul. Nay, that were a punishment too good for them if they should have any allegiance in them, being chosen for the prince's watch. Well, give them their charge, neighbor Dogberry. First, who think you the most desertless man to be constable? You oatcake, sir, or Georgina Seacole, for they can write and read. Come hither, neighbor Seacole. God hath blessed you with a good name. To be a well-favored woman is the gift of fortune, but to write and read comes by nature. Both which, Master Constable? You have. (laughs) I knew it would be your answer. Well, for your favor, why, give God thanks and make no boast of it. And for your writing and reading, let that appear when there is no need of such vanity. You are thought here to be the most senseless and fit woman for the constable of the watch. Therefore, bear you the lantern. This is your charge. You shall comprehend all vagra men. You are to bid any man stand in the prince's name. How, if he will not stand? Why then take no note of him, but let him go. And presently call the rest of the watch together and thank God you are rid of a knave. If he will not stand when he is bidden, he is none of the prince's subjects. True, and they are to meddle with none but the prince's subjects. You shall also make no noise in the streets, for for the watch to babble and to talk is most tolerable and not to be endured. Oh, we will rather sleep than talk. We know what belongs to a watch. Why, you speak like an ancient and most quiet watchman. For I cannot see how sleeping could offend, only have a care that your bills be not stolen. Well, you are to call at all the alehouses and bid those that are drunk to get them to bed. How if they will not? Why, then, uh, let them alone till they are sober? If they make you not bend the better answer, you may say they are not the men you took them for. Well, sir. If you meet a thief, you may suspect him by virtue of your office to be no true man. And for such kind of men, the less you meddle or make with them, why, the more is for your honesty. If we know him to be a thief, shall we not lay hands on him? Truly by your office, you may, but... I think they that touch pitch will be defiled. The most peaceful way for you, if you do take a thief, is to let him show himself what he is and steal out of your company. You have always been called a merciful woman, partner. Truly. I would not hang a dog by my will, much more a man who hath any honesty in him. If you hear a child cry in the night, you must call to the nurse and bid her still it. How if the nurse be asleep and will not hear us? Why then depart in peace? And let the child wake her with crying. For the you that will not hear her lamb when it bays will never answer a calf when he bleats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tis very true. This is the end of the charge. You, constable, are to present the prince's own person. If you meet the prince in the night, you may stay him. Nay, by our lady. That I think I cannot. Five shillings to one aunt. With any man who knows the statutes, he may stay him. Marry not without the prince be willing, for indeed the watch ought to offend no man, and it is an offense to stay a man against his will. Our lady, I think it be so. 
<laughs> well, masters, good night. And there be any matter of weight chances, call up me. Keep your fellow's counsels and your own, and good night. Come, neighbor. Well, masters, we hear our charge. Let us go sit here upon the church bench till two, and then all to bed. One word more, honest neighbors. I pray you watch about Signor Lenato's door. For the wedding being there tomorrow, there's a great coil tonight. Adieu, be vigilant, I beseech you. What, Conrad? Peace, stir not. Conrad, I say. Uh, here, man, I'm at the elbow. Mass, and my elbow itched. I thought there would a scab follow. <laughs> I will owe thee an answer for that. And now, forward with thy tale. Oh, stand thee close, then, under this penthouse for Drizzle's reign. And I will, like a true drunkard, utter all to thee. Some treason, masters, yet stand close. Therefore, know I have earned of Don... John? Hmm. A thousand ducats. Is it possible that any villainy should be so dear? Thou shouldst rather ask if it were possible any villainy should be so rich. For when rich villains have need of poor ones, hmm, poor ones, may make what price they will. I wonder at it. That shows thou art unconfirmed. Thou knowest that the fashion of a doublet or a hat or a cloak is nothing to a man. Yes, it is apparel. I mean the fashion. Yes, the fashion is the fashion. Tash, I may as well say the fool's the fool. But seest thou not what a deformed thief's fashion is? I know that deformed. A has-been, a vile thief this seven year. A goes up and down like a gentleman. I remember his name. Didst thou not hear somebody? No, t'was the vein on the house. Hmm. 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 Seest thou not, I say, what a deformed thief this fashion is. How giddily it turns about all the hot bloods between fourteen and five and thirty. Sometimes fashioning them like pharaoh soldiers in a reeky painting. Sometimes like God bells priests in the old church window. <laughs> Sometimes like the shaven Hercules in the smirched worm-eaten tapestry where his codpiece seems as massy as his club. Hmm? Hmm? All this I see. And I see that the fashion wears out more apparel than the man. But art not thou thyself giddy with the fashion too, that thou hast shifted out of thy tale into telling me of the fashion? Not so, neither. But know that I have tonight wooed Margaret, the Lady Hero's gentlewoman, by the name of Hero. She leans me out at her mistress's chamber window, bids me a thousand times good night. I tell this tale vilely. I should first tell thee how the prince, Claudio, and my master 
planted and placed and possessed by my master, Don John, saw afar off in the orchard this amiable encounter. And thought they Margaret was hero? Two of them did. The prince and Claudio. But the devil, my master, knew she was Margaret. And partly by his oaths, which first possessed them, partly by the dark night, which did deceive them, but chiefly by my villainy, which did confirm any slander that Don John had made, away went Claudio. Enraged, <laughs> he swore he would meet her as he was appointed next morning at the temple and there before the whole congregation. Shame her with what he saw or night and send her home again without a husband. <laughs> We charge you. In the prince's name, stand. Call up the right master constable. We have here recovered the most dangerous piece of lechery that ever was known in the Commonwealth. And one deformed is one of them. I know him. Aware is a lock. Masters, masters. You'll be made bring deformed forth. I warrant you. Uh, masters. Never speak. We charge you, let us obey you to go with us. We are like to prove a goodly commodity being taken up of these men's bills. The commodity in question, I warrant you. Come, we'll obey you. Good Ursula, wake my cousin Beatrice and desire her to rise. I will, lady. And bid her come hither. Well... Troth, I think your other rubato were better. No, pray thee, good Meg, I'll wear this. By my troth, it's not so good, and I warrant your cousin will say so. My cousin's a fool, and thou art another. I'll wear none but this. I like the new tire within excellently. If the hair were a thought browner. And your gown's a most rare fashion, i' faith. I saw the Duchess of Milan's gown that they praise so. Oh, that exceeds, they say. By my troth, spot a nightgown in respect of yours. Cloth of gold, and cuts, and laced with silver, set with pearls, down sleeves, side sleeves, and skirts, round underborn with a bluish tinsel, but for a fine, quaint, graceful, and excellent fashion, yours is worth ten aught. God give me joy to wear it, for my heart is exceeding heavy. Twill be heavier soon, by the weight of a man. Fie <laughs> upon thee! Art not ashamed? Of what, lady? Of speaking honorably is not marriage honorable in a beggar is not your lord honorable without marriage i think you would have me say saving your reverence a husband and bad thinking do not rest true speaking i'll offend nobody is there any harm in the heavier for a husband none i think and it be the right husband and the right wife ask my lady beatrice else here she comes Good morrow, cuz. Good morrow, sweet hero. Why, how now? Do you speak in the sick tune? Oh, I'm out of all other tunes, methinks. Claps into Light a Love. That goes without a burden. Do you sing it and I'll dance it. Yea, Light a Love with your heels, then. If your husband shall have stables enough, you shall see he lack no barns. Oh, illegitimate construction. I scorn that with my heels. Tis almost five o'clock, cousin. "'Tis time you were ready. Oh, by my troth, I am exceedingly ill. Hi-ho. 
For a hawk, a horse, or a husband? For the letter that begins them all. H. Well, and you, be not turned Turk, there's no more sailing by the star. What means this fool, Tro? Nothing I, but God sends everyone their heart's desire. These gloves the Count sent me, they are an excellent perfume. I am stuffed, cousin, I cannot smell. A maid and stuffed! That's a goodly catching of cold. Oh, God help me, God help me! How long have you professed apprehension? Even since you left it. Doth not my wit become me rarely? It is not seen enough. You should wear it in your cap. Oh, by my troth, I am sick. Get you some of this distilled Cardus Benedictus, and lay it to your heart. It's the only thing for a qualm. There thou prickest her with a thistle. Benedictus. Why Benedictus? You have some moral in this Benedictus? Moral? No, by my troth, I have no moral meaning. I meant plain holy thistle. You may think, perchance, that I think you are in love. Nay, by Our Lady, I am not such a fool to think what I list. Nor I list not to think what I can. Nor indeed I cannot think, if I would think my heart out of thinking that you are in love, or that you will be in love, or that you can be in love. Yet, Benedict was such another, and now he is become a man. He swore he would never marry, and yet now, in despite of his heart, he eats his meat without grudging. And how you may be converted, I know not, but methinks you look with your eyes as other women do. What pace is this thy tongue keeps? Not a false gallop. Madam, withdraw. The prince, the count, Signor Benedict, Don John, and all the gallants of the town are come to fetch you to church. Help to dress me, good cuz, good make, good Ursula. Uh, what would you with me, honest neighbor? Mary, sir, I would have some confidence with you that discerns you nearly. Brief, I pray you. For you see, it is a busy time with me. Mary, this it is! Sir. Yes, in truth it is, sir. What is it, my good friend? Good lady Burgess, sir, speaks a little off the matter. An old woman, sir, and her wits are not so blunt as God help, I would desire they were. <laughs> but in faith, honest is the skin between her brows. Yes, and I thank God I am as honest as any woman living that is an old woman and no honester than I. Comparisons are odorous. Palabras, neighbor Burgess. <sighs> Neighbors, you are tedious. It pleases your worship to say so. But we are the poor duke's officers. But truly, for mine own part, if I were as tedious as a king, I would find it in my heart to bestow it all of your worship. Hmm. All thy tediousness on me, eh? Yea, and twere a thousand pound more than tis. For I hear as good exclamation on your worship as of any man in the city. And though I be but a poor man, I am glad to hear it. And so am I. <sighs> I would fain know what you have to say. Mary, sir, our watch tonight, except in your worship's presence, hath taken a couple of as errant knaves as any in Messina. A good old woman, sir, she will be talking. As they say, when the age is in, the wit is out. God help us, it is a world to see. Well said, if faith, neighbor Virgis. Well, God's a good man, and two men ride of a horse, one must ride behind. And honest soul, if faith, sir, by my troth she is, as ever broke bread, but... God is to be worshipped. All men are not alike. Alas, 
Good neighbor. Ha! Indeed, neighbor. He comes too short of you. Oh, gifts that God gives. I must leave you. One word, sir. Our watch, sir, have indeed comprehended two auspicious persons, and we would have them this morning examined before your worship. Take their examination yourself and bring it me. I am now in great haste, as it may appear unto you. It shall be sufficient. Drink some wine ere you go. Very well. My lord, they stay for you to give your daughter to her husband. I'll wait upon them. I am ready. Go, good partner, go. Get you to Francis Seacole. Bid him bring his pen and inkhorn to the jail. We are now to examination, these men. And we must do it wisely. We will spare for no wit, I warrant you. Here's that shall drive some of them to a non-come. Only get the learned writer to set down our excommunication and meet me at the jail. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show. Much Ado About Nothing, Act 3. Featuring the voice talents of Mindy Rast Keenan as Dogberry, Katie Keating as Hero, Dave Morgan as Don Pedro, Chris Hackney as Claudio, Allison Moser as Margaret, Jason Wallace as Leonardo, Pete Mylan as Baraccio, Anna Jankondel as Ursula, Teresa Stacy as Vergus, Anna Rodriguez as the First Watchman, Seth Adam Scher as Conrad, Renee Christine Jones as Beatrice, Perry Whittle as Don John, Paul Brueggemann as Benedict, Lynn Cullen as the Second Watchman, and Jack Cock as the Messenger. Written by William Shakespeare. Adopted for audio by Colin Kelly and Catherine Pride. Script analysis and dramaturgy by Catherine Pride. Directed by Colin Kelly. Assistant Director Landon Bell. Featuring the following music. Sacred Rain by Love Cavi and Mr. DSL. Still Playing Guitar by Nachtschatten. Darkest Days by Joe Nogo. Big by Ray Ginsberg. Epilogue by Josh Woodard. Balthazar's Song by Vincent Morrison. Black Fisher's Tune by Mr. Shakespeare Theme by Pavel Zook of pavelzook.com. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2013. Pendant Productions. For more information, visit pendantaudio.com. Thanks for listening.